Today, we get to conclude the book of James. I know the book of James is only five chapters, but Pastor Danny and I, we have tag-teamed on this book where we have learned so much of real faith, where we have titled this series called Real Faith. And what I want to do today is I want to conclude this out of the book of James chapter 5. We're going to go to chapter 5. And the question I want to ask you before we read into some of these verses, do you ever feel like someone is out to get you? Don't look at your neighbor, please. But do you ever just feel like someone is out to get you? That they're trying to take advantage of your life. They're, they're trying to um, over be, take your kindness for granted. Uh, take uh, who you are as a person. And us as Christians, we could probably go through that many times in our job places because they know you're a Christian. They know that, that you go to church. So they may treat you a certain way. They may um, come to you or, or say certain things and, and they know that you're not going to go off, hopefully. They bring an overload of burdens or they oppress you in a certain way where in your life you feel so at a place where you have a weight where people are taking advantage or things are coming against you. And you think of that question and you say, okay, what do I do? How do I handle this? Uh, how should you handle oppression, uh, burdens, worries, and overloaded? Uh, what should you do and what should you not do? The book of James chapter 5, we find that James is giving us instructions to those who appear to have been oppressed by the rich. The rich had been holding back in their, rage, their wages. The, the rich had been oppressing the, the righteous. And uh, we see in the book of James uh, chapter 5, starting with verse 1, it says these words. It says, uh, look here, you rich people. I don't know about you, but I've been, we've been reading the book of James. James is pretty savage the way he talks in this book. Look, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't agree with me, look at these portion of scriptures. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan because all of the terrible, terrible things that are ahead of you, your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eating rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth that you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The corroded treasures you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of the judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. Their cries of the, those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord's heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Let's stop there, but I want to look at this first couple of verses 
before we get into this, but I want to speak to you on the subject of real endurance. Real endurance. We see here in the book of James chapter 5, where James is beginning to look, and James is talking about here, James is talking about the behavior of those being oppressed in James' days, and uh, through where they're being treated unfairly. But something takes place here is that they did not resist. Sometimes in our lives as Christianity and sometimes in our lives in our Christian walk, uh, we try to do everything that is right through the Word of God. We try to do everything that, that what the Word of God has, has taught us. We do everything that we, we say that the Lord God puts upon our heart to do. But have you ever found out in your life, as I opened up earlier, it feels like someone is just always out to get you. Am I the only one? We come to a place of our lives where the moment that you tell you, someone that you're a Christian, the moment that you tell someone that you are a follower of God, and the moment that you tell somebody that you go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and you hold a relate group, uh, and all of the other things, uh, it's a opener to some folks where they'll be able to try to push certain things in your life. They push your buttons. We see he's talking about not resisting is we've seen something in the past uh, and through the word of God where not resisting is consistent uh, of the teaching of, of Jesus Christ and his apostles. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in the book of Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 30, this is where the word of God tells us what? To love your enemies that come against you. I don't know about you, but uh, do you find it difficult to, to love those that come against? against you, especially those that have enemies against them. Certainly not resisting is conflicting because we live in a human world today. We live in a world, in a society today where it's what? Let's just get even. Am I preaching to any good people in this room here today? You seem pretty, pretty, pretty quiet. Because we do live in a world today where it says, where if people come against you, it's like, well, you know what? Just do the same thing that they did to you back. If they're going to give me attitude, they better watch out because I'm going to give attitude right back. Have you ever said that before? Oh, just go ahead. Go ahead. Do what you want. Go ahead. Oh, they don't know what they, they don't know who they're messing with. You ever been like that on the road? Oh, he ain't going to let me in? Okay, just watch. He ain't going to let me in? Oh, you going to let me in? All right. And you punch it, everybody in the car, their head goes like that. And then you cut them off, and then you're pushing your brakes. Am I the only road rage person in here? Forgive me, Jesus. We live in a world today where it's, it's all about getting back, getting even. But he says something very important. He says, not resisting to 
this, the awareness. And you say, okay, Pastor, this, these couple of verses, how do we handle ourselves? How do we handle ourselves when judgment or when things are taking place in our lives? How do we handle ourselves? How do we handle ourselves when our boss is, is antagonizing us and my boss doesn't want to let me out at 5 o'clock so that I can go home and change and make it for prayer at 6 o'clock? Uh, how do I handle my ungodly spouse where I, I want to do the things of God? Uh, how do I handle myself when things are coming against me? How do I handle my Myself because they're in my life. I want to retaliate. I want to be angry back. I, I want to begin to tell somebody off. I just this makes me feel good. I like the honest souls where they're like, yeah, that's me. All the other ones are just like, okay, you guys are good. You guys are perfect. But I like how James finishes. Verses 7 through 12, dear brothers and sisters, be patient. Say that word, patient. No, say patient. Turn to your neighbor and say patient. As you wait for the Lord's return, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripe. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, uh, brothers and sisters, or, or you will be judged. Uh, for look, the judge is standing at the door. Uh, for examples uh, of patience in suffering, uh, dear brothers and sisters, uh, look at the prophets uh, who spoke in the name of the Lord. Uh, we give uh, great honor to those who endure under suffering. Uh, for instance, you know about Job, a man with great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. I don't know about you, but this is an amazing verses that James closes this out in the book of James chapter 5. Because you begin to look at this word patient. In chapter 1, we saw the word patient, but the word found here in patient uh, is slightly different to the way that James uh, talks about it in chapter 1. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, it begins to mean that uh, it is to bear up under trial, meaning be patient in your trials. Uh, be patient uh, in, the, in the tribulation that you go through. Uh, be patient uh, when you're going through things in life. Uh, but chapter five is completely different uh, the word patient in chapter five is totally different uh, which means uh, to suffer long uh, which normally means to be patient uh, in the reference to people uh, to those that are impressed uh, to those that are antagonizing you and those that are putting pressure on you uh, because I know what it feels like uh, to go through uh, where people are putting pressure on you uh, families putting pressure 
pressure on you. Your work is putting pressure on you. And you say, God, uh, can I just take this in my hands? Uh, James understood uh, that there was going to be a time in your life uh, where you were going to be oppressed. Uh, there was going to be a load on your back. Uh, but he begins to lay it out clearly. He says, be patient. Uh, I got your battles. Uh, I got it for you. Uh, you don't have to fight these things. Uh, you don't even have to say a word. Uh, be patient. Uh, I will take care of it. Uh, I may not take care of it here on earth, uh, but I'll take care of it in heaven uh, on judgment day. Uh, I thank God uh, that God is my defender. Uh, I thank God uh, that I have a God uh, that is fighting for me. Uh, a God that is looking down from heaven and saying, uh, just be quiet. Uh, just seal your lips. Uh, you don't even have to say anything. Uh, I will take care of everything for you. There are times when I am more patient than other times. When things are going the way that I want them to go. When things are going in another direction, I'm less patient. Can somebody say amen? When James wrote this letter to his friends at his church, who are being persecuted for their faith, he knew what they needed most. He knew that they needed to be encouraged, endured uh, these trials in God-honoring way. Uh, he knew that they needed to be warned about their sins, uh, and they needed to be encouraged to be patient. Uh, and you ask the, the question, well, how do I be patient when things are going crazy in my life. First thing we see in verse 7. Patient and waiting. I don't know about you, but I have a difficult time of waiting. Anybody with me? Anybody? I mean... You ever go to a restaurant? I know I always reference to food because I love food so much. But you ever just go to a restaurant and the host is taking their sweet time to bring you the chips and salsa? <laughs> I mean, today, you don't even have to Brew coffee where the old coffee makers, you put the filter in, you put the grounds in. I think Pastor Richard preached this a while back ago. You put all the grounds in and then, remember those coffee makers? You might still have one. And then it started pouring and then it like, it stopped and it started pouring again. Now you have just, you just push, put your K-cup in. Bam, boom, there it is. But if you have an old one, because it's dirty inside of it, it's full of grinds and all that, you push it, it's... <laughs> You're like, would you just hurry up? 
Verse 7, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. We are told to wait patiently until the Lord comes. This is great encouragement to those who are being persecuted for their faith. It's great encouragement for us today who find it difficult in the times that we're living in. He says, be patient. Therefore, brothers and sisters of the Lord's returning, when the Lord returns, he will make everything right. He will judge those who mistreated you. I can be patient when I know that I could just carry it on. I thank God that I could just be patient and God will take care of those who mistreated you. It's a believer's duty just to wait on the Lord. Did you know that? It's our duty as a servant of God, as a believer, just to wait on the Lord. We don't like to wait. We want to do things our own way. It gives us an example of how the farmer waits for the precious fruit. Farmer works very hard, plowing, planting. The cycle of the farmer is preparing the ground, sow the seed, wait for the rain and sunshine, wait, 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 harvest, harvest, wait, wait, wait. See, a, a, a farmer can't just go ahead and do all the prepping and wake up the next morning and go, okay, where's my fruit? A farmer knows that he has to wait. Because if he waits, he waters it, he spends his time with it, he knows that at the season, it will ripe at the right season. Uh, he is indicating uh, and telling us, the book of James is telling us the exact same thing. Just wait for me. Uh, just wait for me. Uh, be patient enough, uh, and I will take care of everything else. The second thing that we learn in verse 8, patience and faith. You see in verse 8, it says, you too must be patient. And it says what? Take courage. The English Standard Version says, establish your hearts. And that's important. What does it mean to establish your hearts? This word's translated, uh, established, comes from a word that is used uh, when the book of Exodus, we read about Moses' arms being held up. Uh, it's a picture of an immovement, uh, a movable uh, uh, object. Uh, well, uh, they're waiting for the Lord to come uh, and where they're being strengthened uh, by their faith. Uh, would it be a good thing uh, for us just to take courage and have faith that our Lord is handling our stuff, uh, that take good faith, uh, an understanding of good courage, that the Lord is working behind the scenes. It's difficult. See, Thanksgiving's coming, right? And however you cook your turkey, First, you do the prepping. I don't know how to cook a turkey, but I just saw my dad do it. You do all the prepping. You put it in the oven. First hour, you still don't smell nothing. 
two or three hours. I'm talking to George now because his head's about to fall off. He's getting hungry. But it starts to get a little bit, you start to get that smell, right? Something's taking place behind the scenes while it's being cooked. Now, if you're the, the tester to see if it's being cooked, I don't know about you, but I like to grab the skin that's getting crisp on the outside. My mom would always say, just wait for it to be done. The third thing that we learn from the book of James, chapter 5 and verse 9, patience and complaining. I don't think we got any complainers in here. Don't look at them, please. In verse 9, what does it say? It says, don't grumble about each other. Many times do we sit in church grumbling, the music's too loud, the lights are too bright, the laser hit me in the eye. <laughs> Pastor Ruben screams too much, he talks too much. I mean, you just grumble. It says, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. James knows what the results are of waiting. He knows that when you're, you are waiting, you're grumbling. Am I right? Let's talk about food again. When you're in a restaurant, you order, and you already know, you've been in the restaurant a hundred times, they know you, they know what you're going to order, but you just have those days where they're taking forever. And what was the first thing that we started doing? We're grumbling. That's oh, the new cook in the back. Did you see the new cook back there? I saw him. I don't, he doesn't even know who I am. We grumble. We grumble of, of, of something that we want. Uh, and James knows what the results are waiting. He knows that if we are not careful, grumbling uh, will enter in the equation. Uh, even in a local church, a church this size, uh, we can spend all of our time grumbling and complaining because things aren't met to how you feel. Oh, these chairs are just too hard. When are they going to pick up a pledge for these new chairs? You didn't pledge for the first ones. We're not going to pick anything up. There's not enough parking. Complaining. What James is getting at is that the reason he uses the word grumble is because he is warning us against envy concernings. Of another believer's circumstance. And you say, well, what does that mean? Often in our times, we could use grumbling as saying, why is he always getting blessed? Why does he always get new cars? Why does he always look like he just always has it together? This is what James is telling us. He is telling us, stop grumbling and stop looking at who others are getting blessed. Your time will come. Be patient. Stop complaining that you haven't got your blessings. It's coming. It's just on its way. Fourth thing that we learn 
is patience and persecution. We see this in verse 10 through 11. He says, for example, of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know Job, a man with great endurance. James gives us two examples. He says, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. God gave the prophets a special commission to speak in his divine word. Uh, God loved them. Yet uh, the example James says is that even the prophets were not exempt from suffering. Your leader, your pastor, were not exempt from suffering. We think just because we jump into an ministry, we jump into maybe being a relate leader, or we jump into a ministry, you think now that you're exempt from suffering? Can I tell you a little secret? More suffering. It's just now you have, now you know behind it that God is with you. He's going to help you. And this is what James is telling us. James is saying, you got this. We're going to be okay. The second thing we see is that, for instance, you know about Job, uh, a man of great endurance. Uh, we remember all that Job went through, losing his family, struck down with sores from head to toe. Friends offered bad counsel. Uh, but what took place in Job's life? Uh, we learned that he endured to the very end. Uh, so no matter no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are facing, no matter what persecution that you think you're going through, we have a God who is with us. He is behind us. The bad doctor's report that you think that you got, God said, just be patient enough. Your healing is coming your way. You think you're being tested by your spouse and your unsafe kids and being persecuted? Don't worry about it. Just listen. Lift them up to me. Uh, praise me. Worship me. Uh, I got this. Uh, it's going to be all handled. Uh, I got it in my hands. We can learn so much from these two examples. Then we see in verse 12, patient and speech. But most of all, brothers and sisters, never take oath. Pastor Danny spoke clearly last week, and I won't go further on this one because he spoke on the tongue last week. You all look like you forgot what he preached. Maybe you tuned that out. Talked about boasting. Talked about slow to speech. He talked about being slow to anger. Don't swear. Or make a promise that you can't commit. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep very close to and watch of your speech. I was just going to leave this one alone, but you all look all convicted on this one. Let me just finish this point here. I can't believe my kids said that. 
Where did he learn that from? Um, you, when you were fighting with your spouse, you, whichever you were watching on TV, careful how you speak. Be careful how you talk. A little nugget to any marriages out there. And you serve God together here. Lift your spouse up. You lift your spouse up. You praise your spouse. You say you look pretty today. You look handsome today. If they're serving in ministry, you serve. You're the best usher. Man, we need a marriage seminar. There was, that was pretty weak. I mean, I love it when my wife said, man, that was a good message. Yeah. Right, man? Doesn't it feel good when your wife's like, man, like, man, that was good. As the band comes up, we begin to look where James is talking about in enduring to the very end. The closing of James in verses 13 through 18 we find a call to prayer and a call to singing God's praises. With guidance to, to do that, where James is literally telling us that you are going to be persecuted. You are going to have things that are coming in your way. People are going to come against you. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was admiring how they worship. I was admiring how they praise God. I was admiring where this person lifts up their hands and just closes their eyes during song service and just worships God and seeks God to the very fullest. You know what that person told me? The person said, you know what? Prayer works. Reading God's word works. But what I found that that works for me is when I'm going through something hard in my life, when it feels like all the world has just caved in on me, I worship, I praise, I seek his name. I lift up my hands. I glorify God. I don't care what people say. I don't care if I'm out of tune. I don't care how may I sound. But I praise God. I praise Him to the very fullest. And this is what James is closing with. James is telling us in the times of suffering, let us pray. In the times of suffering, in the times of cheer, let us praise His name. Let us begin to magnify his name let us praise his name and say yes and amen let us praise him with our voice with our heart and in the times of our sicknesses you come before the Lord and know it's hard when you have a bad doctor's report but you say God I know that you have this in your hands
I'm glad that they put James chapter 5 in the Bible for us. Because I needed it. You need it. You may not need it now, but I'm almost guaranteeing you folks, uh, if you continue to be a believer and continue to serve God and continue to serve in the church, uh, you're going to need the book of James chapter 5 in your life because it's going to tell you, uh, endure to the end. Uh, praise God to the very fullest. Uh, you need to worship God sometimes. Uh, you just need to get up out of your seat sometimes and say, God, uh, here I am, Lord God. Uh, here I am, God. Uh, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to seek your name. I'm going to glorify you, God. The devil was mad, and that is too bad. I'm going to give my praise. I thank you, God, that you are fighting my battles. I thank you, God, that you're here in the bad reports. I'm here, God. I'm so thankful. Be patient. I thank God for over 40 years ago that I had a grandmother who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for my dad to give his life to Jesus. See, my mom was a backslider. My grandmother was patient enough to see what God can do in their marriage. And thank God that I had a grandmother who was patient enough for the Lord uh, because her prayers uh, were yes and amen. Uh, and because of that prayer, being patient, uh, I'm here today to testify that I am a man of God uh, because of her prayers. Uh, you see, if you could be patient in your prayers, you could be patient in your, in your glorifying God, you will see the rewards take place in your life today. Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you that you're patient enough for who, what we have done in life. Father, we thank you that you are patient and never gave up on us. Father, we thank you that at our very lowest, that you never, never left us, but you were right there waiting with open arms. And tonight, God, there are some folks in this they're feeling worried. But God, tonight I pray that you will fill that void and fill that, that the God that they would wait patiently of knowing that you are working behind the scenes, that you are doing what you are doing best at. 